Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, do me a favor and turn in your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. I'm really excited about next week. I think it's going to be really, really, really fun. Um, If you have some friends, if you got some family members that you want to bring so they can hear the vision, I think it's going to be really, really cool. All right. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Awesome. Hey, over the next few minutes, uh, I want you to make sure that you're taking notes. Um, we are, we're, the, the title of this message is Don't Forget the Eggs. Don't Forget the Eggs. Um, last, last few weeks, we've been in this series, Real One, talking about relationships. And we started off with this thought about single people and trying to teach us that there's two relationships in your life that you're never going to be able to shake. And that's the relationship with yourself and the relationship with God. And so we try to highlight the importance of that. Then we talked about a couple weeks after that, we talked about the idea of being in a dating relationships. And what does that look like in a dating relationship? And man, we've been every single week, I feel like it has built upon each other. What we've tried to do is create a pathway, right? Um, In relationships, you're single, and then you're dating, and then you're engaged, and eventually you're married. Um, sometimes, especially in our culture, people flip-flop and they do each one of them in different ways. Um, what we try to do is show you in, in these last few weeks, what we in Scripture, what we've seen um, a healthy relationship looks like. Today, um, we're going to be talking to the married people. But listen to me. If you're single, dating, engaged, if you're ready to mingle, or if you are like brokenhearted, I don't want to see nobody for a thousand years. God bless you, wherever you are. Um, if you are a business owner, Or maybe you're aspiring one day to start your own business. This is going to help you with relationships. If you're just a friend and you want to learn how to be intentional in your friendships, this message is going to be intentional for you as well. So if you're taking notes, please make sure you write that down. It's very practical in nature. Trust me. Don't forget to add the eggs. I'm really excited about this one. Let's pray. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for this message, Father. We ask that you open up our hearts and our minds, Father, to hear the words that you want to speak to us, Father. Help us to apply practically the things that you are teaching us on a weekly basis, Father. We thank you that we get this opportunity to share your word, Father. I ask that Pastor Chino and myself, we decrease as you increase, Father God, and that you would just open up our hearts to hear what you have to say. Allow your Holy Spirit to... Uh, move in this place and we thank you God for all that you do we thank you for your presence we thank you for your love and your forgiveness and in Jesus name we pray amen and amen come on one more time if you're expecting for a word from God would you put your hands together come on would you make some noise and give him some praise in this place amen Hey, we, uh, if you've been on the journey with us, if you're new to us, uh, my name is Chino and this is my beautiful wife, Lydia, and together we pastor this church and um, we've been here for about seven years living in Georgia. Uh, We moved up from Miami, Florida, where everything is flat, flat, like, I mean, just everything is just flat. And so that means something and you'll understand in just a minute. Um, We both uh, were on staff at a church down there in Miami, Florida, and I was a youth pastor, college director. I mean, I did a plethora of things. One of my responsibilities was that I was, I would set up for baptisms. And please understand that uh, this, that what we had a few weeks ago, we had 14 people that we baptized. I mean, it was just beautiful. Oh, come on. We're going to make some noise. We're going to make some noise. It was just amazing. We have 14. Where we were at at the church, it would be like 140 people. And so what we would do is that we had to have these big pools, these above ground pools. And it was my job to set up and build the above ground pools. And then we would have pastors inside there and we would do multiple baptisms at the same time. And so that was my responsibility and my job. And it was cool. When I came to Georgia, I had a backyard. 
And I was like, you know what, babe? I think we should get a pool. And this was during the pandemic where we wanted to kill each other, um, where we loved each other dearly, you know what I mean? And we were like, yo, what if we put a pool outside? And, you know, we had fun that way. And so we ended up buying a pool. I don't even know how we ended up buying that pool. It was crazy. Um, on Facebook. Yeah, probably. And so, on oh, Craigslist. It was actually on Craigslist. Remember Craigslist? And so, and so we got the pool, and I called my friend Jason, and I was like, hey, Jason, uh, one of our pastors here at the church, I called him, and I, I said, hey, Jason, let's come build this pool. You want to come? He's like, I don't know, Chino. He's like, we can. Let's do it. Um, but I don't know if you're thinking about this correctly. And I was like, man, we got this. Easy. I did this all day long at the church. One man by myself. One hose. I did this. I know how to do this. He comes to the house and he's like, hey, man, I was on YouTube. And I was looking at this. And it may be a little hard. I was like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. We got this. Trust me, I did this. I'm a professional. Watch. I'm going to show you. I don't even need the instructions. Um, because Cubans, we don't need instructions for anything. And so, <laughs> and so we, we started the pool. And bruh. Georgia is different. We, if you, if you, in my, in our old house, uh, which I know I saw Elizabeth somewhere around here. If you look in our old house, I remember we used to put a marble. It was a joke. We would put a marble on our fireplace and the marble would roll down. Everything in Georgia is crooked. It lives in a perpetual state of Gumby. You got to be born in the 80s, 90s to understand what that means. It's just, I mean, just everything is just crooked. And so we begin to walk outside and when we begin to walk outside and start to kind of see it, I'm like, this isn't like the parking lot at the church. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not Needless to say, after eight hours, Jason took off. He was like, yo, I'm done. This is too much. We were out there with shovels trying to grade. We had to go to Home Depot and get a professional tiller with ripping the, I mean, this was the stupidest thing that we've ever done in our life. What seemed to me that would be a process that would take me 30 minutes, it was about four days later that we were sitting there with iPhones with our flashlights in the middle of the night. We're not passing today. We're going to get it. We had like a piece of board that we would grade, you know what I mean, with a level on top of it. it and yes. <laughs> this was the worst idea we ever had in our life. I mean, it was just the stupidest idea. We were tired. We were mad at each other. We didn't want to talk to each other. I hate you. Get out of here. I don't care. I don't need you. Go grab the shovel. You know what I mean? My kids were like, I was killing my children. Poor guys. It was, it was an absolute disaster what we were doing in the life of our... And if you, somebody could help me and grab Levi for me, that would be amazing. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, what is happening in the life, in our marriage? <laughs> what is happening? And then finally we had the pool. And I'll share a little bit about what happened with that pool. But dude, when I say it took work, it took work. Isn't this a little bit what marriage looks like? When we get married, it looks amazing. Some of us get married because we already have sex. <laughs> Buddy, if you a champ, you're lasting more than 15 minutes. If everybody else, that's a, you know, that's a different cost. But what we did, some of them laughing. Some people get it. Some people are like, what? I don't understand. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later in the message. But yo, we, we put a lot of emphasis on, on marriage and we look at it not understanding that it takes work. It takes a lot of work, right, Lib? Yeah, marriage is a lot of work. Just like that pool, it was a lot of work. And so we're here today and it's not just about just marriages. When we're talking about some of these things, just remember that this, some of these tools, some of the things that we talk about is strictly only for marriage. But then some of these things you can actually apply to any relationship that you have. So the first thing I'd love to talk to you guys about is that marriage is a ladder. And if you think about and you picture a ladder, in all relationships, there's one, uh, you're either on one side of the ladder or the other, right? And, and, and in marriages, you're always climbing, you're trying to grow, you're trying to get better. And, and if you think about a, a, a ladder and the way that the structure of the ladder is kind of like a triangle, at the top of all marriages really should be God, because God is the head of the household. It says in 1 Corinthians 11:3, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So, so if you're thinking about a, a ladder and let's just say Pastor Chino's on one side of the ladder and I'm on the other side of the ladder and God is at the head, at the top of the ladder, the, the idea is not that I'm trying to uh, 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 
get to the top before him and make it a competition. It's not that it's like a pulley where where if 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 I go down, he goes up. No, we're a ladder, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to grow towards the top. And if we're growing towards God, who is the top on top of the ladder, and if you look at it, as I start to grow, as I start to grow in my relationship with God first, I begin to go up the ladder. And if he is doing the same thing on the other side, we are getting actually closer to each other as we are building our relationship with God first. We have to understand that that marriage is a ladder and that we're not looking here and we're not looking there. We're looking at God. And as we go up, we will grow closer to each other. So it's not a pulley system. I'm not, I'm not going down so he can go up and opposite. It's not a competition. It's not saying, okay, well, I'm going to get up there before you. And I'm going to do better than you and leave you behind. No, I'm going to be a cheerleader. We're going to be cheerleading each other. We're going to start encouraging each other. Chino calls me up. He calls me to be a better version of myself. He calls me to be a better version with my kids, with the church, with all things in my life. He is helping me up, cheerleading me. And likewise, I am doing the same thing for him and pointing him towards God. And he is pointing me towards God. And as we go towards God, we meet each other and become closer. Absolutely. So marriage is a ladder, right? But marriage is also a paintbrush. Let me explain what that means. Um, there is a, a structure in marriage that begins to paint an illustration of Jesus and the church. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, it's going to come up here on the screens in a second. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 through 32, it says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Christ and the church is equivalent, according to the scripture, to a husband and a wife who are in a marriage. And so it is an illustration, it is a paintbrush that shows you the relationships between Jesus and the church. Um, my wife uh, is, is an incredible person. And so, you know, on, you know uh, we had to go big or go home. You feel me? And so I really like you. This is what I gave her um, for Valentine's Day. But then you got to be intentional. Everybody say, aww. You know what I'm saying? And then you had to... Don't read this stuff. It might be a little inappropriate. You know, I'm married. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Someone were like, oh, give my glasses. Um, but what I wanted to turn your attention to is this piece of art right here. Um, Z, um, Nunzi Marcelin, which is, uh, leads our entire production team. Come on, we can make some noise for Z. Z, are you back there? Z, are you back there? Stand up. Stand up, Z, so we can see you, so everybody can see you. We can acknowledge you. We love you. Yo, she, she drew this. She drew this in about five, ten minutes. I was like, yo, nuns, I got a picture. I mean, I got a, a big old card. What do I do? Help me. Can you draw something? She was like, give me a second. Leave. And bro, in about five minutes, she drew this. Not only has she drawn this, but bro, she drew all of our, if you look in our G Kids, all of our murals. So if you need, if you need something drawn in your room, you know what I'm saying? In your business, make sure you holler at her. If you need a caricature of you and your uh, significant other, she got you for the low. Nunzi Art at Instagram. Um, shameless plug. What's crazy is that this is me and my wife in real life. You see us? Like, how y'all doing? This is us. And then this is a picture of me and my wife. So what, what I want to show you is that the relationship between Jesus, I'm Jesus, and my wife is the church, an illustration of that, the husband and the wife, is this. And so here's what happens. With marriages, you're really living out a life and you're painting a picture to the world of what Jesus and the church looks like. That's why all through the Bible, you see God and you see men and women of God all in Scripture, they use terms like father, brother, mother you see it's always been families to God he's always felt it was very important for us to have family he called families not businesses he didn't call us to be a big church he called us to be a family he's always been super 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 excited championing standing behind the concept of families and so when me and my wife together when we are in unison when we are happy when we are excited when we are living a healthy life we show a picture of what it looks like between Christ and the church and we begin to show them what love really looks like 
First Corinthians chapter 13 is known traditionally as the love chapter, you know? But what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. You guys are so secular. You started bouncing everything when I said that. What is love? First Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 17 teaches us what is love. Love is patient. It is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So what is love? So what is love? Love is patient and kind, right? It's, it's the, I've told you about a hundred times. It's even on the calendar. The baby shower is happening this weekend. But you know what? I'm going to be patient and I'm going to be kind. And maybe he forgot and I'm going to tell him again. Absolutely. Love is patient and kind. <laughs> but love and all the husbands said, amen. <laughs> hey, love is not jealous. You know, I don't care that I've been preaching here for years, but every time my wife gets up here and preaches, you guys are like, oh my God, you're such a great preacher, Lydia. We need to hear more of you. You know what I mean? It's not jealous. I love my wife. You know what I mean? I'm so proud of her. No, but for real, um, love is it's not only not jealous, but it's not boastful or prideful. And I feel like I'm the greatest driver in the world. And I got to close my eyes when my wife is driving so I feel safe. But I'm not going to sit here and be boastful and prideful that I'm the best driver in our house. Love is not like that. And love is not rude either. You know, just because we're together all the time, it doesn't mean I need to stop noticing you or stop treating you with respect. I gotta, I can't be rude in the way that I, uh, when I get familiar with you, I just gotta still be nice and treat you with honor and respect. Absolutely. Love does not demand its own way. Um, me, I like, if you gave me a vacation, I want to go like skiing. You know what I mean? I'm from Miami, Florida. We ain't had nothing. We have hot summer, rainy summer, a little windy summer, a little cold summer. You know what I mean? 60 degrees. Everybody's busting out chinchillas. You know what I mean? They got hoodies and gloves. It's a trip. Um, I like the opposite. I want to go, you know, play in the snow and go skiing and do stuff I've never done. But you know what? My wife, she loves to be in the pool. She loves the warmth. She loves that as a vacation. So what do I, I don't have to have it my own way. I want to make sure that my wife, I put preference over her. And so we'll go hang out. Let's go to vacation with your family and pay no money because we're staying at their house. Yeah. Love you, mom and dad. So when are we going? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Love is not irritable. You know, I, I, I don't know about y'all, but you know, I went to the bathroom last night and I fell into the toilet because he didn't put the seat down, right? Okay, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's not get angry. Let's just, uh, he probably just forgot. It's not irritable. By the way, these are illustrations. These are not real things that happened. Real life events. I'm a lot better than that, guys. Come on. Love is not irritable. It doesn't keep record of being wrong. We talked about it. We dealt with it. We move past it. We don't have to keep bringing it up. We love records, not wrongs. That's right. And it doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. I told him and I knew that it was going to happen, but I didn't say, I told you so. I just said to myself, I'm really glad he got to learn through this experience. Absolutely. And here's the truth. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. So no matter what challenges comes, love will celebrate anniversary after anniversary. It will continue to build a beautiful story and paint an illustration of what Jesus and the church looks like year after year. That's right. Um, so marriage, is, it's a beautiful paintbrush. It, it shows a beautiful picture of what God really wants um, in, in our relationships. But, but let, let's not be mistaken that marriage is also a target, a target that the enemy is coming after. The greatest attack in this world has not just been about one country attacking another or World War One, World War II, any of those things. Those things are intense and, and have been and, and monumental. But the biggest attack has always been against the unity of marriage and families. The enemy has come against marriage and families in a way that is, uh, you just, you can't even see it coming. Satan even didn't even show up until um, there was unity between Adam and Eve in the garden. Until it was, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing together as a unit. 
Satan didn't even show up until he realized he can do something in between them. And his, God's plan has always been that we be united and that we would conquer together. And Satan came in and said, I'm going to bring divide and conquer because he is against unity of marriage and family. So how, how, do we, how do we avoid this plan of the enemy in our lives? How do we uh, come against these things? Well, we need to understand each other's needs. We have to understand that as men and women, we all have needs. There are wants and desires that each and every one of us have, but as individual men and individual women, there are needs that we have, then these needs have to be met. And to, to understand yourself maybe a little bit better, we've talked about it in the past already several times throughout this series about a book called uh, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It's important that you understand how you communicate and how you receive love. Because if you don't know how you receive love, how are you going to let him know that this is the need that you have, right? Yeah. Let, me, let me add something to that real quick. Um, one of the things that I want to share with you, um, and it's you want to grab your phone because this is going to help you. I would love for you to go to the five love languages test.com. Again, this isn't for married folk, this is for single people, this is for dating, engaged, wherever you are. The five love languages test. What'll happen is that when you take this test, it takes about 10 minutes, but it'll help you to understand what your love language is, meaning how do you receive love? Because I talked about it in week two, I think of real one, where I talked about it, where my wife, I was love bombing her. I was hugging her and I was giving her words of affirmation, telling her how beautiful she looked. And then for me, what she was doing is that she was taking care of the kids, cooking at the house, doing everything. What we did was that we were missing signals because the way that I want to be loved is the way that I was doing it for her. And the way that she wanted to be loved is the way that she was doing it towards me. I don't care about you cooking for me. As long as you tell me how good I'm doing and you touch me a couple times, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you can have take my money, my house, my cars. You know what I mean? And for her, I just got to pick up the towels. I just got to clean the house when she comes home and don't sit there and tell her, hey, babe, what's for food? What's for food? What are you making? What are you making? But get in the kitchen. And when I do that, it was filling up. Y'all ladies are too loud right there. Y'all were too loud right there. I was, I started to learn that if I want to fill up my wife's love tank, I got to start doing things and then I need to put this stupid phone away and actually look at her in her eyes and start talking to her how's your day going how was work how are you feeling and not get so frustrated that I can't listen to her but actually begin to lean in when I did that it was a happy night in the Echeverria household <laughs> glory to God sorry I was Amen. inappropriate I was so inappropriate man golly Sorry. So getting back to how do we avoid the, the plan of the enemy who is attacking our marriages and our family and our relationships on a whole, um, the, the, we need to understand the needs, the needs. And, and like I was saying, that men and women, they all have needs. There, there are wants. People have wants. And sometimes wants can go either way. But when, when you have a need and you understand what your needs are, it's important uh, to, uh, that you will, you will be able to function on the proper level. So take this, for example, a plant doesn't want water. It needs water to survive. A car doesn't just want gas just to have gas in its tank. The car cannot function properly if it doesn't have gas. It needs gas to function properly. Yeah, so that's the same thing with us. We have needs. And if it's not just, okay, I want him to be affectionate. Or Chino doesn't want me just to be affectionate to him just because that's what he wants and that's what he likes. It's because he needs it to be able to function as a husband for me. Absolutely. That's good. So somebody say, what do, what do women want? What do women want? <laughs> what they want is a lot. <laughs> what they need <laughs> is what I want to talk to you about. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Here's a, we've been married on, in April. We go, we were married 18 years. We've been together for a little while. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, 
Not as much as others, but we, we've had some experience. And not only that, but I think with some real intelligent people um, who have written some incredible bodies of work, I think we've learned and we've come to three things that I think a man wants and three things that a woman wants. And right. So I'm going to I'm going to help you out, ladies. I promise you. I got you, ladies. Um, here are three needs, fellas, that women want. Three needs. If you're single, if you're dating, if you're engaged, one day you want to be married. Listen to me. These are the three things that women want. Number one, they want security. Write that down. They want security. They want a safe place for their emotions. They want a safe place um, for their physical, to be physically secure. But they also want a safe place where they could be financially secure. They're not looking for you to be a millionaire. They just want you to have a vision. If you have a vision and you're working towards something, that gives them security, right? And so they want security. Number two is that they want affection. Now, affection doesn't mean sex. Affection is something totally different. They want to make sure that you care for them, that you remember their anniversary, that you actually begin to bring flowers to them and that you start doing things. At the beginning, it's very easy when you're in the dating process because you remember everything. You are super, here's the word, you ready? Write this down. You're super intentional. The longer the marriage happens, the less intentional that you begin with things. Affection is being able to say, yo, I'm going to put this on the calendar and I'm going to make sure that I'm intentional in showing her affection, showing her how much I love her, how much I care for her in more ways than just physical touch. And then the third thing that they want is communication. This is where men struggle with because we're fixers. We want to make it happen. How do I build it? You know what I mean? We're just, what do I need to do? What you need to do is just sit down, shut up and listen to her, bro. And I know I get it, but... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Sometimes women don't want the answer. They just want you to sit there and listen. Let them vent. Let them talk to you about it. We have four different fixers while they're talking. We're like, oh my God, yeah, you just need to do this. Why does it? Okay, shut up. Just sit there and just shake your leg. Do what you want. to. Oh my God, babe, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. You're kidding. Wow. Insane. Wow. Just shut up. Listen. They, they, sometimes they just want to be able to communicate with you without you always having the answer, without you always having a way to do it. It got to be your way. Whoa, you, you're stupid. Your feelings are, they're not crazy. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not emotional bad basket cases. They're actually extremely intelligent. You'll see in just a moment. But their need is to be able to have communication and be able to understand each other. So what... It's not, oh my God, babe, you need to do this and you need to do that. And you need to tell, I can't believe you let your, you need to tell your boss, stop. In those moments, hey babe, what can I do to help you in this moment? It's a quick little sentence. What can I do to help you? I don't want nothing. I just want you to sit there and hold me. Cool. Just hold her, bro. Just hold her. It's simple. So that's what yeah, women that's need. Good. All right, ladies. Now, this, these are the things we're going to talk about for the men. There are three things that men need. And the first and most important thing men need is honor and respect. Okay? As, as a man, they need us. <laughs> they need us to hold them at a really high self-esteem. High esteem, I'm sorry. We need to celebrate them when they do really good. We need to celebrate them in private, but you need to celebrate him in front of others, in public. If he's doing something and they're seeing it, say it out loud. Make him feel really, really good. That gives him honor. That brings him honor. It brings him a level of respect. Oh, she respects me enough that she's talking really good about me, even in front of everyone else. It's important. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> You're doing a good job, babe. I'm super proud of you. I love you. You get Take up here. Take my money. <laughs> my house and my car. No, no, so, no serious. I want to take a break. I'm going to honor him. You know what? He gets up here. He speaks the word of God every Sunday. He does it without a blink. He just, he just comes up and he does it. He does a really good job for it. And he needs that. Because it's not easy to have to prepare something new for everyone every Sunday. All right? So you did a good job. Anyways, here's some tips, ladies, if you're struggling in the area. You know what? Men don't want a mother. Okay? 
So they don't want you nagging. They don't want you mothering. Hold them. on. We don't want another mother. I, I miss my mama. Oh, yeah. I'm we sorry. Want, I'm sorry. We don't want another mom. In their relationships as a wife, he doesn't want you to be his mother, okay? But so you need to allow him to fail. There are times where, where he's going to want to do something. Allow him to fail. Allow, don't nag him. Don't be a mother. Don't try to coddle him. Allow him to be the leader that you want him to be. Let God be the enforcer. Let God take the responsibility. Have enough trust in God that he knows what's good for all of you, more than you even think or can imagine, and trust him that he is going to be the enforcer. He is the one that's going to take care of the situation. And then, and then tell God, uh, hey, it's your responsibility. You, you better let him know and show him, okay? And then celebrate what you want to be repeated, okay? If you, if you see that he did a good job taking the garbage out, babe, thank you so much for doing that. I saw that it was overflowing and I couldn't get to it and I saw that you saw it and you took it out and thank you, that means so much Is any garbage we need to take out now? Is, can I take out, is there no garbage? <laughs> yeah, there's actually some out now. I got it, <laughs> I'm taking care of it right now, right now. Here's the thing, women. You are the prophet of your home. Women, we are the prophets of our home. If we speak to what we want to see, the men will rise to the occasion. We need to understand the power that we have as wives. We need to understand that we are his helpmate, that we are here to help him be where he needs to be. And sometimes when they're just focusing on the things that they need to get done. We need to speak into some things and say, hey, can you do this? Because if you did this, man, our life would be great. And trust God that he's going to take care of that. The second thing, men need support. They need support emotionally and verbally. It's not secondary. It's necessary. So when they need support, we need to be there. And we need to be involved. We're not saying take control. We're not saying go in there and make it and fix it. Because some of us do. We got the better idea that doesn't even make sense. Why are you trying to do that? No, be there and be supportive of them. And not only that, emotionally and verbally, we need to encourage them. Because you know what? It might be not, he might not be doing it the way that you would do it, but he's doing it. So we need to encourage that, hey, you did a good job there. Hey, maybe next time, if you do it this way, it'll actually even be better. And he'll be like, oh, okay, that's, see, that's me being a prophet, speaking life into what he's already doing and making it better. And guess what? He's going to rise to the occasion because I did it with respect and I did it with honor. And I'm encouraging him. I'm not breaking him down. And another thing, women, we need to give wisdom. Yes, because we are the prophets. God gives us this special discernment as wives and as women sometimes. And we sometimes um, want to take over and say, this is God the way it's got to be done because God says this and this and we got all this inspiration inside of us but but that's not what God has told him so you can give the perspective but don't discourage because he has a good idea he's maybe not just thinking it in the right way so instead of just saying no no you can't do it like that that's dumb that doesn't make sense no do it this way and do it my way no give some perspective into the situation and give it with wisdom with honor did you want to ask? I want to, yes, I, here, because I think, I think you're speaking to something that I think is important. Let me, let me, let me give a little clarity, um, right? So when the word talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, it talks of the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts of the Spirit that it talks about is prophecy. And we've done an entire series on this. When we hear the word prophecy, we think that it's foretelling the future, right? Like, hey, you're going to find a lotto ticket. God's going to give you $50,000 in your bank account. Cool. The prophecy in Scripture, biblically, it's to comfort edify and exhort it's to build people up the word of knowledge is talking about something that has happened or happened in the future or is happening now and then the word of wisdom is something that hasn't happened those are not prophecy prophecy is encouragement edification and comfort these are the three reasons that you do that and this is what a woman has the ability to be able to do in the house but hey let me tell you something fellas your, your wife they have a special discernment over them um, especially in my life. I've noticed that with my wife, she has a special discernment, especially when it comes to people. Like, she'll be like, hey, be careful with this person. And she'll say stuff that I'm just like, man, I used to be like, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. This person, we're, we're teaming up and we're partnering up and they're giving me these opportunities and I'm giving them opportunities. I'm going to help them. And we got all this stuff. And she's just like, just be careful. That's all I'm going to say. And sure enough, every time I come back, I say, babe, remember, buddy? <laughs> and even when women... 
they, they have a discernment. Hey, that's not the intentions that you think they're coming with. And so, fellas, though we talk about that as a need for us, like, right, we want to be able to, man, let me, if I'm going to fail, let me fail. Don't let your husband fail too bad. But like, yo, let me try stuff. Let me risk things. But when a wife begins to tell you, hey, be careful with this, have enough discernment, have enough, lay your pride down long enough to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to listen to you because trust me, time and time again. Now, when she tells me something and she's like, hey, be careful how much time you invest in this person. Oh, my God, bro. Like, here you go. I can't never have no fun. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. My mom said I can't. Hang. I mean, my wife said I can't Stop. hang. You know, I can't play with you anymore because I know if I take the steps that she told me not to, 10 times out of 10, I always come back with my tail tucked between my legs. <laughs> Which leads me to this last thing about this in particular is um, sometimes, you know, guys are the risk takers. They're the ones that are going to go for it. We want them to be the leaders, correct? So they're going to have to go out in front and take those risks. They are protecting us by doing that. And that is okay. Sometimes we can see, hey, that's not a good route to take. But if that is the risk that they're willing to take, then we need to pray, ladies. Especially if we see some dangers coming around that, because that is the next thing that we are called to do. We are called to support him in prayer. We can talk, we can help, we can give perspective, but if the decision that he's going to go forward and do this, then we submit and we pray. And we trust God and we have enough trust in God that he will take responsibility and that he will make it all work out for good because that is our roles as wife. So pray for him. It's super, super important. And then the last thing I want to talk to you guys about women is that men need sex. It's not just something that they Hallelujah. <laughs> it's not just something that they, oh, this is what I want. This is what I want. No, they need sex. This is a God thing. God created them to need this. In 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 5, the husband should fulfill his marital duties to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So if you're not praying, you're laying. <laughs> Bars. So cringy. So cringy. Take that off the tape, Sean. Take that part off the tape. Take that part. It sounded greater in my head. It was like, yeah. Here's the thing. It says... Uh, come back together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It's for both. Yes, men need sex. But you know what? Wives need sex too. And sometimes it's not maybe as much. Sometimes the women would be like, yeah, you know what? I can do without the sex, but I just want some affection. That's a need for a woman, and that's okay. And if you're a wife and you have a great sex drive, great. That's great. Some women need to, to take a little work and, and work at it a little bit, and that's okay also. But here's the thing, women. We need to make sure that we're meeting this need for men, even if at some point in time we don't think it's necessary. It's important because God said, God says, then come together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. There is something in that Satan coming and tempting. Satan wants, remember, I talked about it earlier, Satan wants to come and divide. He wants to take, take it apart. He doesn't want you to be married. He doesn't want you to have unity. So if you're not doing it and you're not, you're not having sex and you're not saying, okay, well, I'm just going to do this because I know that it's a need and I'm going to make sure that this is being done, then there's going to be some issues there. Remember, a car doesn't want gas. It needs gas. If not, it begins to malfunction. So here's the thing with men, if they don't get the need met that they need, there's going to be where Satan comes in and guess what? He gets, starts to get angry. He starts to get frustrated. He starts to feel neglected. And then, then I'm not saying this is something right, and I'm not giving a pass, but they start looking for sex outside of marriage. It's not, it's not a pass, but it is real, and it is something that the enemy comes in and says, well, well, look at her. She's giving you attention. 
well, look at that. Well, that, you know, if you just, you know, turn on the, the, the computer late at night, you'll get your little fix, right? So, so we have to understand, ladies, that this is important. This is a core need that men need in marriage. Absolutely. So women need security. They need affection. They need communication. A man, we want honor. We want respect. We want to be supported. We want sex. Like, these are all needs that I think we all have. Husbands, make sure that you're protecting your wife and that you're providing for what she needs. I think that was beautiful, babe. A car begins to malfunction. It's not just men, but women as well. Because when you start to deprive her of, of not what she wants, but what she needs, then she's going to look for it elsewhere. And so we want to respect and we want to honor them. Um, but here's what I want you to understand. It, you are important. You're valuable. Marriage, though the enemy has tried to redefine it with what it looks like a man and a woman, though it has tried to paint a picture and try to distort the image of what it looks like, marriage is important in the eyes of God. He uses it. It is a tool in his hand. I want to show you, see something. We read this at the beginning. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes 9 through 12, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. And then here it is. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken break that down for us yeah today. that's it i mean three uh, it has to be a three-strand core and we talked about it it's it's got to be god and then you and your husband it's funny because i i was thinking about this message and and i might have shared this story um before here in the last year or so but the other day i was uh, i was working um and i got this immense craving that I wanted meatloaf. I was like, I'm gonna do meatloaf for dinner tonight. I wanna do meatloaf and mashed potatoes and gravy and corn. And I was just like, my mouth was like drooling. And I was Dude, like, my oh mouth my drooling. Goodness. You planned. <laughs> I was like, I need meatloaf. Okay, so meatloaf is in a meal that, like, typically I do very quick meals because, you know, I have two growing boys. I got my husband, like, three grown men. They need to eat and they need to eat now. So, you know, my meals are like 30 minute meals. I can put them together quick and they're great. Uh, but when you do meatloaf, it's just not something that you would do like very fast and easy. It takes about an hour for it to fully cook. And then there's this 30 minute prep time and all these other things you got to do. But so I was like, tonight's the night. I feel energetic. I'm going to make a real meal for dinner tonight. It's going to be amazing. So I go after work and I go to Publix and I gather all the stuff. I get all my ingredients. I list it all out. I go and I'm like, okay, let's get home. I start the mashed potatoes. I put the gravy and I start everything. And as I'm, I'm putting the, the meatloaf together, you know, some people, they use like a meatloaf pan, but I like to like put all the things in a big bowl and I mix it all together. I put it's the my, Cubanist meatloaf you ever taste <laughs> in your life. I this, the seasoning and the, I mean, I add all kinds of stuff. And then I put, you know, some people like, some people don't, but they put breadcrumbs in. I put breadcrumbs and it was just like, it was just delicious. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to use a, a loaf pan. I'm, I'm going to actually mold it with my hands. And it was, it was like, this was a thing for me. Like, yeah, right. I was like, I'm going to make this meatloaf and then, and I'm going to have leftovers tomorrow and we're going to make meatloaf sandwiches flow. And you can kind of see it starting getting crispy and brown on the outside. I'm like, but I still know it needs to simmer a little bit more. So I leave and I go finish everything else. I come back. It's an hour into it. Oh man, it's perfect. It looks so good. And I bring it out. And I'm ready to call everybody to dinner. And I'm like, okay, we're going to start serving now. And I cut into the meatloaf and it completely crumbles. And it, and it turns into this like crumble of meat. Like it's just, now it's just ground beef. Like it's not a loaf of anything. And I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? Like I had all these crazy thoughts and all these plans about how beautiful this meatloaf is. And all of a sudden it just popped into my head. I forgot to add the eggs. It's the binder. It's the thing that keeps it all together. And isn't that how crazy, how crazy it is that in our marriages, in our relationships, without God, it doesn't work. 
without God. So listen, the meatloaf tasted really good, right? It still had all the flavor. It was still there, but it wasn't the greatest thing ever because it was missing the key ingredient. Our relationships, it could be there, but how much better could it be if we had the key ingredient, God? In our, in our marriages. The key ingredient of a healthy life is to have God. Remember the latter. As we go towards God in our relationships, we get closer and closer in our relationships. Together, we go closer. And it becomes a functioning marriage. It becomes a functioning relationship. It actually brings forth. What, is, what, are, what, are, what happens when we're missing God in our... We just become a lump of ground beef in our marriage. <laughs> It might taste good, it might look good, but how much better could it be? What kind of lasting effect could we have if we put that missing ingredient of God into our lives? Absolutely. I think when we, when we, incredible job, babe. What, what, what I think is that when we look at marriage, right? When we look at being engaged, when we look at in a dating relationship, when we look at people who are single, right? For some of us, as I mentioned earlier, we, we want to start businesses. We, we, some of us are business leaders in this place. And so we want to make sure that we're the best boss towards our employees. Some of us, it's, it's the bottom, most basic relationship, which is just friendship. I think when we want to have these friendships and we want them to be whole, it takes one word, right? We, we at this church, if you've been here long enough, you're probably tired of hearing me say this. Uh, we believe in the prosperity gospel. You ready? Look at me. Pay attention. Stop with the notes. We believe in the prosperity gospel in this church. We believe that God wants to give you a brand new house. He wants to give you a brand new car. He wants to give you everything that you desire. And we say that it only takes one word for you to be able to get everything that you want. You ready? W-O-R-K. Go get a freaking job. Work. Save your money. Get your credit right. Get you a nice house. You can get all the cars that you want to as long as you manage your bank account correctly. We believe that God wants to bless you with these things, but it takes work. Hey, marriage takes work. Hey, being in an intentional relationship where you're heading towards marriage takes work. Hey, dating takes work. My wife said, casualty has a root word. That root word of casualty is casual. When you allow yourself to date casualty, casually, it will lead to casualties. When you allow your marriage to just become casual and familiar and normal, you'll slowly start to watch as it deteriorates into a casualty because you just got casual with it. Yeah. It takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes you actually putting on your hard hat, going outside, getting a shovel, and starting to dig through some stuff. I saw my dad do this to my mom, but you know what? I'm taking this, and I don't want this in my marriage. And it takes you digging some stuff out. I know that this is the way that that relationship impacted me, but you know what? I'm going to take this shovel, and I'm going to start taking these things out because I don't want them not only to be in my marriage, but I don't want my children to see a picture, an illustration of what marriage looks like and for them to follow in the footsteps that have created so much damage and hurt in my family and in my lineage. I want to have a healthy relationship. It takes work. And so we're not giving you another assignment. We're just telling you that if you want something to be healthy in your relationships, this entire series, it takes work. It takes going and, hey, Chino, can I have a conversation with you? Because we're dating, we're engaged, we're married. We're trying to figure this thing out. And man, there's some issues here. Can you help us? It takes you actually reaching out to somebody and getting some help. It takes you grabbing a book. There's some incredible writers that have done some incredible pieces of work that help us to know what does the relationship need to look like? Because as I mentioned at the beginning of this series, a lot of us learned how relationship from what we saw on TV, Martin and Gina and Cody and Topanga. Some of us, we saw it from the music that we listened to. Some of us... We saw it from our families and we saw it from our mothers and our fathers. And sometimes that wasn't the best illustration of what relationship did. For some of us, we learned marriage tips in church. And church, unfortunately, just tells you, make sure you don't have sex before marriage and marry a Christian. The rest of it, do your best. You're on your own. And that has led us to a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. It takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes you adding the eggs into the equation. Don't forget the eggs. 
Don't forget the ex. For some of us, when we think about relationships and when we think about our own personal life, sometimes it's not necessarily that we're worried about, you know, being in a relationship with a woman or a man and being dating, married. Some of us have been married for a long time. Some of us have been engaged for a very long time. Some of us have been dating for a long time. Some of us have been single for a long time. What I'm trying to explain to you is the time is not what I'm trying to get at here. What I'm trying to get at here is the health of this thing. But then there's a separate group of people in this place. It is not necessarily the relationships with others that you have been lacking in. And it's not about, and I'm, please understand me, I'm not comparing God to eggs. But don't forget to add God in. For some of us, we've been trying to do this thing on our own for so long. And what I mentioned earlier, we're the fix-it type of people. Mom wasn't there. Dad wasn't there. We had to make that thing happen ourselves. And so we struggled through life. We thrived through life. But whatever we did, we did it on our own. We figured it out. We didn't need anybody. And we worked through it. But man, there has been so much hurt and so much pain that you've had to work through. Not only that, but how much better would it be if you had God in the middle of it, if you allowed for Jesus to actually enter into your heart and you actually submitted your will and you started to watch as God took the crumbles of your life and actually put it back together in a healthy whole way, what would it look like if on February 28th, 2024, you finally got to a space where you said to yourself, you know what? My missing ingredient, the key element that I've been missing for so long has been Jesus. And if you invite them into your heart, I'm not going to tell you that everything is going to be peaches and roses and you're going to walk out of here with clouds and rainbows and unicorns and angels are going to be walking through your every move and your doodle don't stink. Listen to me. We all walk through life and we all walk through journeys. But there's something beautiful about the fact when you have somebody walking with you on this journey. Some of us feel so alone. We've been holding on to this shame and this guilt anger, anxiety, shame has become our friend and our ally and we walk into situations with it. Can I tell you that that's not what God's plan is for your life. He wants to produce joy in you. He wants to produce strength. He wants to take those broken pieces and he wants to bring them back together in such a beautiful way. But it takes you opening up your heart and allowing for him to enter into your heart and for you to accept. How does that happen, Chino? What do I have to do? How much money do I have to give at the church? How much time do I have to serve? Do I got to be a member? Do I got to sign up the role? You don't have to do any of those things. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth, that's called prayer, and you believe in your heart, that's called faith, that you shall be saved. The gospel is very simple. The gospel is that Jesus lived a life that you can never live to pay a payment that you can never pay. It was Jesus through his death, burial, and his resurrected and his resurrection that allowed for us to be good with God. He already did the work and all he does is offer you an invitation. You don't work your way into that invitation. You don't earn your way into that invitation. That invitation has been given to you for free. You accept it. When you accept it, then you start to watch as life starts to change and God starts to work in you and you start to notice things start to begin to change. But it begins with this initial step of accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at